to the fourth installment of this uh, series of lessons. And tonight we're going to talk about um, the fact that there is, uh, there could be first season, praise God in Jesus' name. Uh, let me read this story. Uh, a lot of what we're going to, or not a lot, but some of what we're going to talk about tonight really has to do with a, a rags to riches type of thing. Praise God. When you look at the story, it, it's, it really does uh, portray that. And, um, and there's a lot of those kind of stories out here and that type of thing. One in particular here, um, let me just read it to you. It says, Clara was an accountant and Paul was a mechanic. Um, it says, they fell deeply in love and married. For nine years, they longed to grow their family from two into three, but could not. When they realized that they would not have children biologically, they adopted a baby boy and they named his, or they called him Stephen Paul. Stephen grew up, graduated from high school and enrolled in college, but his dreams of a career right out of college would not, or would have to wait. He did not have enough money to pay his tuition, and regretfully, he withdrew from college after just one semester. While Steve was growing up, his mechanic father taught him how to work on cars. He wasn't uh, very interested in cars themselves, but he was intrigued with the electronics that made them work. Every weekend, Paul took his son to the junkyard where they rummaged for spare parts, and Steve's interest in electronics continued to grow as the days turned into weeks, into months, and into years. As Steve's interest grew, Paul opened his garage to his son to give him a space for an to, so he could experiment on electronics. Seven houses down, an engineer for Hewitt Pal Packard heard about Steve's interest and uh, his interest in electronics, and so the neighbor brought Steve gadgets and gizmos to play with. His fourth grade teacher did the same, and they were all amazed at the young man's interest in all these things and the, and the technology that he was able to retain. Eventually, their engineer neighbor invited Steve to join the Hewitt-Packard Explorers Club, a group of students who met weekly in the HP cafeteria. And there, he, uh, Steve saw his first desktop computer, and it weighed around 40 pounds. But in Steve's words, it was a, it was a beautiful thing. Once when the group needed parts they did not have, Steve thumbed through the phone book and called the CEO of HP to thank or to ask for them, and they talked for about 20 minutes, and by the end of that call, the CEO offered Steve an internship. So by the time he turned 23, Steve Jobs, I don't know if you guessed that or not, was worth $1 million. In 1984, he designed the first Macintosh computer, and when he died at the age of 56, his net worth, net worth was total over $10 billion. Steve Jobs began working with his blue-collar father in a garage and built an empire worth billions of dollars. Rags to riches, stories like these inspire us, don't they? Yeah, and they, you know, it continue to help us to work hard and realize that, you know, these kind of things can happen. Rags to riches. That's a real deal, isn't it? Praise God. Tonight we're going to be looking at the um, 16th chapter of the book of Luke, and you're going to see, in, as far as eternity is concerned, you're going to see a real rags-to-riches story. Praise God. Um, the ninth chapter of the book of, um, of uh, John, uh, before you, we go there, I'll meet you in the 16th chapter of the book of, um, 
Luke here in just a second. But the ninth chapter, the book of John, has an interesting story in it. I don't know if you've ever contemplated it or not. But um, it talks about the fact that uh, Jesus, during his earthly ministry, he, uh, in verse number one, it says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. So get this, this person never saw it before, okay? And his disciples asked him, kind of a strange question, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I don't know if you're aware of the fact or not, but um, there, there, back in, in those days and actually earlier, there was teaching that, that the fetus could sin, that the parents could sin while the baby was in, in the womb, and these sins would affect the child. And so that's why they asked this question, praise God. And so when you think about the story of Lazarus and the rich man, you know, a lot of times people in those times, they looked at people like that, people who were, um, you know, uh, uh, sick, people who had infirmities, things like that. And a lot of times the thinking, the general thinking was that they must have really sinned in order for that to happen. Um, you, most of you are familiar with the story of Job, that's where those three accusers got it. They thought that Job must have done something pretty bad in order to, to be feeling the wrath of God in that, in, that way, in that manner. And so sometimes we can get some things misconstrued. We really can. And, and, and that isn't true at all. Because listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what he said in, in, in John chapter number 9, verse number 3. Jesus answered, he said, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. You know, and so again, we must realize sometimes we, we can get the wrong idea, sometimes we can even present the wrong idea, but you and I, we know that God is a healer, isn't he? And we also know, praise God, if he doesn't heal us in this life, come on, we know that in the next life, praise God, that it will happen in Jesus' name. And so you think about it, it's, it's really quite a, quite a, 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 a circumstance. But um, the 16th chapter of the book of, um, uh, of, of Luke is an interesting chapter. It really has to do, um, uh, the, the major theme through it is, is riches and how people misconstrue riches and things of that nature. Last week we went through the 15th chapter of the book of Luke and talks about lost things. This uh, week we're going to look at um, a a first-hand depiction of hell. Um, I, I remember one time uh, dealing with a certain persuasion, religion, who doesn't believe in a literal hell. They don't, and they, they teach that. And uh, one time when I had the opportunity, I took them to this place right here and that we're going to be reading here tonight. And I said, well, I said, Jesus taught it. And, um, and of course, the, the explanation there was the fact that this is a parable. This was a story that was told. And I agree it was a story that was told, but it was an actual happen, something that happened because if you study the, the 19th chapter of the book, or 19th verse of the, of the 16th chapter there, Jesus said there was a man. These people really existed. And so this was not a parable in the sense that Jesus was making up the story. He was actually telling the story as it really did happen in Jesus' name. And so, again, this can, this, this can um, uh, do tremendous uh, things for us because it can help us to understand that there really is a place 
uh, called hell. Um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but in the Old Testament, um, the Hebrew word for hell was shoal, S-H-E-O-L, I believe is how it's spelled. And what the um, definition of that is, is it's just a place of the dead. And so in the Old Testament, um, from what we understand here, is that that's where people went when they died. And of course, you know, as we read the story, you're going to find out that all people went there, the righteous and the not-so-righteous. And so um, it's interesting. Now, personally, I believe that, that, that the, the righteous people do not go to this place. I believe when Jesus died and rose again and, and entered into heaven, he basically took the righteous people to a place called paradise. That's what I believe. Now, I do believe that this place where this rich man is still, still is, does exist. And so I don't know about you, but I don't want to go there. Praise God. So I appreciate this story, and so hopefully we can get some... Uh, we can get some understanding of it. Sister Carnahan, do you have that video downloaded? I'm going to have you play it right now, if you don't mind. Like so many, my mind often goes to the moment when I'm reunited with loved ones that have gone on through the years to meet their reward. Whether that's a family member, a friend, or a saint that's tremendously touched my life. But what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And everything that pales in comparison will begin to fade in that moment. All sorrow, sickness, pain, and death will be no more. And every heartache and trial that I'll endure is worth it now, but I'll understand then when I behold the face of my Savior, of my Father, and my friend. And this is what heaven means to me. Awesome, awesome. It's a real place, folks. We can look forward to that. Amen. You know, the scripture teaches us just to kind of, um, you know, to, to throw these things out before we go into it. It was not God's intention for us to, to go to hell. The, the hell in, in its essence was originally brought on because of the falling or of the rebellion of the angels. But um, because mankind, uh, you know, does not want to live the way God wants them to live, um, you know, God had to, by his mercy, if I can put it that way, had to develop a place where they could go. And um, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but if you study the Gospels, you're going to find that Jesus actually spoke more about hell than he did heaven. And actually, it was a warning is what it was. And I don't believe it's, it's a subject that we should, you know, try to... Uh, you know, shove down people's throats, but I do believe it is a subject that needs to be brought up from time to time because it's a real place. It's a place where people right now are there. And I'm not going to sit here and try to qualify or judge or anything like that, but it's stories like this that we're going to look at here that really can give us an understanding of why, you know, and that type of thing. And so this is what we use it for, and, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with you know, discussing it, that type of thing, but I, I do feel like we, we need to realize that there's a place that God has prepared for us, and it isn't hell. Amen. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. He said, I'm going to go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also, praise God. And so I believe this is the intention of God. Our God wants us to be there. Scripture says very plainly that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
And so you can rest assured that God is giving every person on this earth, praise God, an opportunity to avoid a situation like that in Jesus' name. Why don't you just lift up your hands right now, and why don't you ask the Lord to, 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 to give you compassion, maybe, maybe to, to, to be used in helping people to avoid this situation. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm so thankful, Lord God. I'm so thankful that you and I, Lord of God, that we don't have to go to a place like this. <clears throat> so thankful, Lord God. And I pray tonight, Lord God, that you will help us to understand it just a little bit better. And Lord, according to your grace and to your, to your, your mercy, Lord God, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Praise God. But before we enter into this, rags to riches, that's really what we're talking about here when you talk about this story. You're talking about Lazarus who was poor, who didn't have anything. I mean, it doesn't certainly speak well of his daily life, but, um, you know, that when he died, you know, we're going to read this in just a few minutes, he was carried, um, you know, by the angels into the uh, Abraham's bosom. And what a story, praise God. What a story, rags to riches. Um, and and I, I think that, um, that God can, uh, can help us, each one of us, to have that same story. Praise God. Um, I don't know about you, but, you know, that's where I was headed. I mean, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I was headed to hell, you know, and um, I make no bones about it. But there was a day when God brought me to an intersection, and he helped me to understand that that wasn't a place where he wanted me to be. Amen. Praise God. And so put preventative measures in my, in my life. And I believe that I'm no different than anybody else. I believe that God is putting preventative uh, issues, or at least he's presenting those things to every person on the face of the earth. Can you say amen? Okay, let's talk about this. Look at verse number 19. Let's just go through the scripture here, and let's see if we can get some, some understanding here. As I told you before, in verse number 19, this is where this story begins in chapter 16. It says, there was a, a certain rich man. And so you understand that, that's, that in my opinion, he's talking about a real person here. He said, which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously. The word means lavishly every day. And the Bible says in verse number 20, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate full of sores. And so again, these are, these are real people. These are things that, 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 that really did happen. And sometimes we like to avoid situations like this, but the bottom line is, it's real. It's real. Scripture says, And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, the Bible says in verse 22, amen, that the, the uh, Lazarus or the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died, and was buried, praise God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9 and verse 27, it says, it's been appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment, praise God. So we understand that's fully disclosed, that God uh, discloses to us that you and I are not permanent dwellings in this life, that one of these days you and I are going to breathe our last, amen. And so I, 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 I believe that God does want us to be and excused upon, but he wants us to be hell conscience. He wants us to be aware of the fact that there is a place, praise God, that people are going to go that, 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 that are going to be 
um, separated from God. And as far as I'm concerned, that's going to probably be the, the worst of the, of the worst punishment. You know, I, I don't know, for years I've heard people's depictions of it and, and, um, and I'm talking about hell and, and some of them are pretty gross, some of them are pretty, um, uh, pretty graphic. I remember a good friend of mine, he, um, he wanted to get this point across. And, and, and when he began preaching, he thought about this. And so what he did was he set it up on a night, um, on a winter night, so he wanted to make sure that it was dark. And he wanted all the lights turned around, turned off in the sanctuary. And so he had some kind of weird music going on. I'm talking about, you know, that mood music that goes on. And then all of a sudden, he just started screaming at the top of his lungs for about five minutes. And um, I'll never forget that. Um, uh, he, it, it, it was uh, <laughs> very graphic, that, that type of thing. And what he was trying to do was he was trying to give people a sense of what it was going to be like in hell. And um, I don't know how good of a job he did. He certainly woke up everybody that was sleeping in the church that night. I know that. I don't think anybody, uh, um, anybody missed that. But the, the bottom line is, again, throughout the years, we've tried to, you know, people have tried to, uh, to depict it. But there really isn't much uh, for descriptions in the Bible when it comes to that, you know, other than this one right here. And I want you, I want you to see this. I, I want you to think about this as we read this. The Bible says in verse number 23, now, again, both of them died. They both, the, 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 whether the person didn't have it so good in life and whether a person that did have it in life, you know, life ended, okay? And so the scripture says, and in hell, he, the one, uh, the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. So at this point in time, we understand that they, he, he was very conscious of what was going on. You know, um, I, I know there's a group of people out there that, that teach, um, uh, they teach a, uh, uh, a teaching that is called annihilation. And what they believe is they believe that people who uh, die and they, they die away from God, that what's, what's going to happen is they're just going to be annihilated or some big poof and they're going to be gone. Well, again, if, if you go into scripture, that's not the way it's depicted. That eternity goes on on both sides of the of the fence, and so um, again, I don't want to you know try to give anybody in this room the wrong idea. But the bottom line is, you know, we've got a whole lot to gain by going to heaven, and we got an awful we got a whole lot to, to lose by going to hell. And so, as we look at this, and we try to think about it in our own lives, version, praise God. Um, let's let's think about that. Scripture says, again, I'm in chapter 16 of, uh, of uh, Luke, verse number 24. It says, and he cried and he said, Father Abraham, he said, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am, in, I am tormented in this flame. So very descriptive, that type of thing, number one. But Abraham said in verse 25, he said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Now, I don't, I, I personally, I don't like to use scripture like this to, to say, well, you know, people are going to get their just due, and, 
and bless God, anybody who doesn't want to live for God, they, you know, this is what they got to look forward to. I, a story like this really, really wallows up compassion in me. And I don't know about you, but I've had people do me wrong. But after I read a story like this, I have absolutely, I can say this before God and, any, and, and all man, that I have no intentions or no wishes for anybody to go to a place like that. Praise God. I mean to tell you, that, I, I, if, if I can do anything, if, if the Lord can use me in any behalf, I would ask him to use me so that I can help people not to have to go to a place like this. Can somebody say amen? I, I really do. And I believe that's what a story like this really can, can help us with. Um, I'm struggling here tonight. I, I, I can't tell you that I'm not because the stories like this a lot of times can be taken the wrong way and sometimes people can, can look at things a little bit different. So I'm guarding my words. But that's why I'm going to just leave Scripture be the, be the final authority here. It's in there. It's in the Bible. I can't take it out. This place exists, and it's real. And, and, and the two bookends, somebody who didn't have anything in life and was probably treated not real well ends up in heaven, and somebody who had everything going for him in this life all of a sudden ends up in hell. I, I, you know, Again, I, I, I'm going to just tell you I believe it's going to probably be a pretty familiar story. But I like to think that right now we're dealing with people, many of you are dealing with people right now, that the story can be changed. Yes. That that story that, that maybe at one time they were, gonna, they were headed to, to, to hell, but now they can be headed to heaven and they can live for eternity with Jesus. I, in fact, I'm going to stop right here for a few minutes. If you know somebody right now that needs God in this kind of a dimension, I want you just to lift up your hands right now and I want you to pray. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, if anything, Lord God, help us to be affected by this. Help us to realize, Lord God, that there is just a tremendous story that's being told here on purpose. And that your word, Lord God, can help us to understand this real, real clearly. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Yes, yes. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes. Go ahead, lift up that hand again right now. Let's just ask the Lord to help us. Praise God. I, I, there's a very sober feeling in this place tonight, and I don't know how you could ever have a subject like this and not have that happen in Jesus' name. Let's let God just talk to us for a few minutes. Come on, this is, this is real deal here. Heaven and hell. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Let me continue with the story here. I'm, I'm going to try to get through it here. That's what I want to do. I knew this would be, for me, it's a difficult, a difficult lesson. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying this is, this is, a, this is quite a subject here. And I believe the Lord wants to affect us tonight in a way that 
that I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're at, what your background is, praise God. We don't want to ever see anybody go to a place like this. Praise God. So first of all, in verse 24, you know, we see that he's tormented, suffering. That's where he's at. Um, and uh, verse 25 says, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received the, thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, verse 26 tells us that, there's, that between us and you there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Uh, theologians believe that this place actually existed in, in the center of the earth. And of course, uh, uh, as I said before, in the Old Testament, you know, that's where the dead went. The place called hell was Sheol. And of course, they had two uh, compartments, if I can put it that way, and, of course, uh, what Abraham is describing is that there's a gulf or there's a, a division between the two, and that's what we see. Well, we see that, and, and again, I, this is the thing that, that one time I was reading this, and I, and I thought to myself, you know, we think of people who um, are horrible people, people who have done despicable things and that type of thing. Somehow, we, I, it, it, it might be easier for us to wrap ourselves or our minds around somebody going to a place like this. But, you know, you look at this guy right here, and the scripture says that when, um, uh, in verse 27, that he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. I mean, that's, that to me is saying that this guy had some compassion for the people who were still left on earth. That's what it sounds like to me. And so... Um, you know, he says in verse 28, he says, For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto, the, unto him in verse 29, he says, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And uh, he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto them, if they, will, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. You think about that, you know. Um, what's being preached, what's, uh, what, what, uh, what's being put on the airwaves and, and things like that. I'm talking about the gospel message and the things that you and I are becoming very, very familiar with. You know, this world is, uh, is beginning to hear these things. And I just pray that they will have a receptive heart. Can you say amen? Let me read this and then I'm going to go into the devotional here for just a little bit so that we can um, uh, get through this lesson. Uh, it says here in, in, in my book here, it says, The rich man's soul was so tormented in the flames of hell that he begged for a drop of water to ease, this, uh, uh, to ease a second of the pain. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. It says, To be sure, there will be people in heaven who were wealthy on, on, on earth, and people in hell who were poor on earth. In the New Testament, men and women of means who were born again used the riches God gave to them to disciple others to be born again. The rich man winced at the memory of his life, which is why he ended up in hell. And the Bible does not even hint to us that this man was evil. 
That's, that's the thing that really, really amazes me, you know. It says, he may have been a, a philanthropist, giving millions to children hospitals and leprosy research, but eternity was based more on what he did not do than what he did do. He did not repent of his sins and get his soul right with God. I know that's a very, very, very sobering statement, but that's why the scripture teaches us that God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. See, that's the thing. That's really the issue that's at hand. We, you and I, we can sit here and we can try to size up different people and, and cultures and, and stuff like that. And Folks, probably nine times out of ten, we're going to get it wrong. But it doesn't take rocket science to go through the Bible and see that there are certain commandments that God lays out to everybody. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what their background is. And so, I, you know, I think a story like this can really, really, really lend itself to helping, it, helping us to get straight, you know, to get it straight. It says here, Abraham broke the sobering news to him, or for him to hear and for us to eavesdrop. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us. That's in Luke 16 and 26. Separation from God, this is another one of those sobering moments that I have when I read a story like this, that separation from God is what really truly makes hell's torment, in my opinion. That's really what it comes down to, you know. And so, you know, it will not be just, you know, be hell's unquenchable flames and the memory of messages preached and altars ignored. But what truly makes hell torment is eternal separation from God because between heaven and hell there is a great gulf fixed and there is no bridging or crossing that gulf. That's what this story tells us, you know. When I was a child and I was being raised um, <clears throat> in a certain persuasion, they taught us that there was a place that, you know, if you didn't quite get it right in this life, you know, you could go to a place called purgatory. And I'm not here to rain on anybody's parade or anything like that, but, you know, that was one of the things, when I went through the Bible the first time, that was one of the things that I was checking out. I was looking for purgatory. And I can tell you, you know, myself, that I didn't find anything. I didn't find anything that was, um, you know, that... that that had anything to do with purgatory. And so, you know, what that helped me to understand is I, I don't want to tell people stories. I don't want to try to get people's hopes up on something that really isn't going to materialize. And so that's why I feel like the subject of heaven and hell is, is one of those subjects that all of us get a little bit nervous about because it really does put people on edge. Because there is no, the only thing that's in between heaven and hell in this story is a gulf. And nobody lived there. There wasn't purgatory. And so it's, you know, that's one of the things that the scripture really teaches us, that that's the final rest, resting place that people will go. Now, you must understand tonight, I'm not putting anybody there. That's not my job. The Bible says it's been appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The judgment is not going to be my judgment. It's going to be his judgment. And that's what you can rest assured. And we understand our God is a merciful God, but we also understand our God is a just God, isn't he? He really is. Let's look at our devotionals. You have those here tonight. And let's look at some of the, um, uh, the situations that, that, that they gave to, to us this week. Look at day number two. Day number two in your, in your um, devotionals. Um, <clears throat> 
I thought this was just interest. This was interesting, you know. At the and on this day, they were talking about that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Remember that? Remember the story? And you think about that, you know. I mean, all the things that happened. Everything from the from the Nile River turning to to blood to to um, hail coming out of the sky and all that type of business. The scripture says that still could not turn Pharaoh's heart. That's really something to me. Um, in the daily devotion, it talks about the Gilded Age, you know, that 30-year period between 1870 and 1900. It was a time that the United States saw a lot of rapid economic growth. And what they had was they had people that became extremely wealthy, you know, over just a few uh, little, uh, 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 little time. But there were, t there were people that took that money and they, they tried to further, you know, the culture in the United States, or they tried to do good things with it. But then there were people that they called that were robber barons. And these were people that just hoarded the money. They just hoarded it up, and they, they couldn't get enough. Let that not be said of us. Can you say amen? amen? How about day number three? Did you read that one? How would you like to get an email from the wedding that you went to? Wasn't that something? I thought about that. Um, for those of you that didn't read it, it talked about uh, uh, an unknown guest that, um, that uh, uh, gave a gift to a wedding couple who was asking for cash gifts. And just a little while after the wedding, she got an email back that basically said they didn't feel like she gave enough. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's... That's kind of sometimes the age we're living in sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't matter what you give, you know. Some people don't. And it's true, you should read these. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty, interested, pretty interesting. Let's look at day number four. Praise God. <clears throat> Talks about Nigeria and during the slave trade and how this person here, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce their name, but the bottom line is, you know, they, you know, the person saw the crowded conditions on the, um, on the ships and saw all the uh, injustices and that type of thing and asked the question, he said, O oh, ye nominal Christians, might not an African ask you, learn you this from your God who said to you, do unto all men as you would have them to do unto you? What a question to ask, huh? Yeah, it's pretty sobering, isn't it? You know, and he talked about the fact that there's the difference between an authentic Christian and a nominal Christian. And I would hope a story like this, if nothing else, would help us to move from nominal Christianism to something called authentic. That we could begin to see this world, praise God, in a situation that really it's a heaven or hell issue. And help us, Lord God, to be the ones that will help people to, to, to make it to heaven. Can you say amen? Amen. The last one I'm going to read to you, and then I'm going to go ahead and, and, um, and end the lesson here tonight, has to do with, um, on day number five, it has to do with what I thought uh, was kind of interesting, you know, when it talks about the death penalty there, and they talked about how that there were cases that were overturned because that the evidence wasn't showed in the original trial. And let that not be said of us. Come on, if there's anything, we ought to be displaying all the evidence that we can display every day that we can. And they talked about the fact that concealing evidence 
And in trials, there's, there's something called the suppression of evidence, which can become a manner of a life or death for somebody. And so, you know, God, help that not to be for, for me. I don't, want, I don't want to be somebody who's holding something back from somebody because I'm afraid of how they're going to react to it. You know, I understand the subject has to be, has to be approached, you know, with wisdom and with mercy and with all kinds of stuff. But the bottom line is I believe that God can give us the words and he can give us the, uh, the boldness to say what we need to say to some people in a kind way, but help them to begin to think, praise God, that, hey, it's not over when this life is over. And this story certainly uh, gives us that, that indication in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me tonight? I, I have literally tried to do my best to, to bring this subject to, to uh, pass here tonight. And I can't help but to tell you that this is very, very disturbing to me. Heaven and hell issues really are. I, I, I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I don't. I want to see everybody make it. And so maybe that's why I, 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 I preach it hard the way I do sometimes. But the bottom line is I believe that God can give us greater compassion and he can give us greater wisdom. He can give us greater understanding, and I believe we can still reach a world, praise God, that can have their own rags-to-riches story. Can you say amen? Let's lift up our hands right now, and let's ask the Lord to help us. Oh, in the name of Jesus.